Hi, and welcome to Undressed. I'm Megan Collins, a style girlfriend. Thanks to all of our newest podcast supporters. Quick reminder that you can help keep Undressed ad-free by heading to anchor.fm backslash style girlfriend, which I will someday get better at saying. Not like they are foreign words and they are just normal words that I can say in a, a long stream. Uh, and click on support this podcast. It's really easy. Today, I'm super excited because I am joined by Caroline Moss, who is an amazing, super interesting person who I followed on Twitter forever, and I'm, like, embarrassed <laughs> to uh, be sitting in front of her right now knowing Stop. how many of her tweets that I have favorited. Oh, it's embarrassing for me, <laughs> knowing how many tweets there are. Oh, gosh. Oh, I never <laughs> like to look at the ratio. No, no, no. That's dangerous. <laughs> um, you guys, alongside Michelle Markowitz, she wrote, Hey, ladies, the story of eight best friends one year, and wait, wait, too many emails, which is a supremely entertaining novel that tracks the inbox-plogging drama of best friends planning a bachelorette party through emails and group chats. It's hilarious, it's cutting, and uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. Thank you. Also, as the Daily Caller pointed out, with the subtlety of a frying pan to the face, it's safe to say she's a feminist. Be that's careful, true. gentlemen. That's true. And she's also super smart and fun. I'm excited she's here to chat about all the things. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, she's also a senior strategist as, at BuzzFeed, as if she's not busy enough. So... <laughs> We're just going to jump right into it. Yeah. Today's first and only topic, is it time to outlaw men? It's been time. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. It's been time. I don't know why it, it took us so long. I think we're, we've ne- we're now in the, you know, I think it was like a joke and now it's a very serious. Um, <laughs> it's time. Ban men. <laughs> so like a lot of folks, I was super upset last week watching the testimonies of uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford and mm-hmm. Judge Brett Kavanaugh. I tweeted some things about it. From my Twitter, and then I ended up firing off this like very angry, angry email from Style Girlfriend uh, Friday morning. And I did this funny thing where I sched- like I always schedule them for the mornings, and I wrote it Thursday night, and I was like, I'm going to get up kind of early and like double check it before yeah, it goes sure. out. Sleep because, on it. Right, exactly. Like maybe I'm going to take back some things. And then by the time I woke up, it actually had sent earlier. So like Thursday night, Megan, I think, was smarter than Friday morning, Megan. And she's like, oh, this is going out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Uh- <laughs> Act on your impulses, I feel like, in these situations. It's really easy to try to edit ourselves. And that's the thing that has been so annoying about watching this whole process, right? And and so much of the story is that Dr. Ford was so poised and polite and amicable and um, trying to sort of, is that okay for you? Right. Doing all the emotional labor. And that's fine. I mean, totally. I get that. That's what all women would do. That's what I would do. And I think you sending your email a little earlier is actually just giving the finger to that whole premise because what you were going to do is wake up in the morning and see if you needed to tone yourself down a little bit. Let's just not. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's interesting because I got some expected blowback from followers who gave sort of the like disappointing but not altogether surprising like shut up and dribble type reply. Mm -hmm. Uh, Except in this case, dribbling would be like advising you on chinos. Yeah. Um, but the way that I've always viewed Style Girlfriend is just that we're helping guys look and act their best. Sure. And so to us, like, this is very much under the umbrella of um, helping guys figure out how to be a modern man, how to be a stylish man in 2018. Yeah. And so that's why I'm really excited. I want to walk through some of the arguments that I've seen on Twitter and just from casual conversations that I then, like, leave because otherwise it turns right. to not um, productive conversations. So. I just want to go through these with you because I think it's going to be really helpful for our listeners who, for the most part, honestly, Caroline, like I feel like I'm I'm making it sound like they're terrible. They're not. They're really amazing. And they want to be better. And they 
for, for the most part, acknowledge that they maybe have bias, that they're guys who um, want to be allies to women or want to be supportive of the women sure. in their life. Maybe they just haven't thought about it in certain ways. So I feel like we have this really great opportunity to say uh, the things that maybe they haven't yet kind of heard or haven't like bounced through their ear holes in a yeah. way that they've uh, really understood. So I'm hoping that we great. can do that today. Okay. So first up, I've heard guys say, I'm afraid I'll be accused of something I didn't do and it'll ruin my career. And you know, women have sort of expressed a similar sentiment, which is like concern on behalf of their husbands, their sons, their brothers. Mm. Um, specifically, just this morning, you sent this to me after I'd already added to the outline, which is hilarious. Yeah. But Donald Trump Jr. was asked in an interview for Daily yeah. Mail TV, which, sure, uh, who are you scared most for your daughters, your sons? And the first son responded, I mean, right now, I'd say my sons. So what Thanks. would you say to people who would make that argument? I mean, look... <sighs> It's a it's <laughs> it's a difficult it's a difficult conversation to have because you don't want to disregard the fact that unfortunately there are people out there there are women out there who do make false accusations against men the the proportion at which it happens against the number of women who are assaulted by men is extremely low and I will just jump in here and say yeah. a study from the National Sexual okay, Violence Resource Center found that false reporting only accounts for between 2 and 10% of sexual assault allegations. So that's very true. It's very, yeah, it's very true. It's very small. And I, I get that. I feel that. Um, and I understand that. But what I would say is that if, uh, it's so, it's such a difficult question. Like I, I like, I don't totally sympathize with it. I just understand it. Um, it is more likely that a woman that you love and care about is going to get sexually assaulted than a man you love and care about or you, if you're a man, uh, are going to be accused of it. Um, falsely. Right. Falsely accused of it. Yes. Uh, and what I think is interesting is like, you know, we as humans project a lot of things and no one is perfect. And so my my thought whenever I hear someone be like, I'm very nervous someone is going to accuse me of something means like you might have done something worth uh, being accused of. And I hate to say it, but like I have men in my life um, who have expressed that sort of sentiment. And I have a lot of men in my life who haven't. And I would venture to guess that the men who have not express that sentiment um, are the men who know that they have never done anything to warrant an accusation, whether true or false. Um, and so I think that that conversation is really interesting. I mean, d don't even get me started on I'm more worried about my sons than my daughters at this <laughs> point. That is sure to be held against him in some sort of custody court with his with Vanessa Trump, right? I mean, like, are you kidding? I mean, Look, it's reasonable. Be worried about your children. But I think that that was a case of... But not more than your base. <laughs> not more, right, but not more than your base. Right. Right, right, right. Party over country. Party over your kids. Party over your daughters. Um, I think that that... I, don't, I, would, I would give Donald Trump Jr. the benefit of the doubt and say, I don't think that that's true. I just think that he likes riling up. Um, but yeah, it's such an interesting conversation. Men are very rarely accused of, of flat out lies having to do with them assaulting someone else it's just it's so it's so rare it's so rare and i feel for men who have had that happen to them like you know it can happen sure but 
I think what we've seen the most of over the last week is women coming out of every corner, out of every generation being like, I was raped. I was sexually assaulted. I told no one. No one would believe me. My parents didn't believe me. My boss didn't believe me. And it's just another like way that I feel like men are taking back the conversation and making it about themselves. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I can't sympathize with the, with the concern. And I think it's BS to say that you're more worried about your husband being accused than you are of someone assaulting you yeah. and not being able to speak out about it and be believed like what that is so deranged to me it's so and it's something that is that must have been so ingrained systematically within you and your belief system that that's how that hierarchy should go yeah and I mean I think it's sort of akin to the idea of like I'm worried that my future kid will be struck by lightning but I'm more worried that they're going to grow up in rape culture yeah that allows for yeah women to be denigrated and treated as less than yeah. and boys to be treated as I guess boys until they're 40 50 60 years old till they die till they die like John McCain died a boy like I, I mean like that's how I feel like that's how I feel like it's just like women never get to be <laughs> girls black um men never get to be boys either mm -hmm. um and and like you look at Anita Hill like she was not even believed whatsoever they just thought she was straight up lying with dr ford they think she's telling the truth but it definitely wasn't brett kavanaugh i mean like we live in this culture where like these an entire government is bending over backwards to protect a man who very clearly it has some has some stuff in in his past um and and very likely a a, a an anger problem, if not also a drinking problem. And and we are watching this woman who had nothing to gain by by doing this. And still she's made she's like it's like she's put on trial. Well, so that's my next uh, you know, argument that I've heard that I really kinda wanna dissect is like, hey, whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty? Yeah. I mean it's not a trial. Right. Like, it's not a trial. And you know? I think that a few of the senators tried to make this point. It's a job interview. It's a job interview. And he doesn't have the right to succeed to the Supreme Court. Right. He has to, you know, show that he is someone who is worthy of that position, who has the right temperament for that position. Yep. And so we don't actually, we, it is not a requisite that he is proven guilty of this. It is simply, are there enough concerns about his fitness for this right. position mm -hmm. that we should be able to say at some point, you know what? No, <laughs> like we're going to let's let's nominate someone else. Yeah, I mean, look, multiple women are coming out of the woodwork and um, alleging that you assaulted them or raped them or gang raped them. Um, if you are on, or that you were present for that, or that you were present for it. Um, yeah. Or that you were like a conspirator in that or you that or you were a witness and didn't do anything. Yeah, that's something that has nothing to do with being liberal or conservative. Um, and I think that there's, you know, all of a sudden all these like, do people are really into due process. I don't know. People didn't seem too into due process. Like, you know, people aren't into due process when we talk about Black Lives Matter. Um, people aren't into due process when we talk about, um, you know, the fact that that at Trump rallies, uh, people are still yelling, lock her up. 
Okay. I mean, like, it's just not believable. You know, it, it, it boils down to, I want to win this and not necessarily. And like, I wish that, and I wish so much that we would just come out and at least call, call a spade a spade. Cause it has nothing to do with innocent until proven guilty. It has nothing to do with due process. This isn't a trial. You don't actually care. It's like a real human issue. And it, and it has everything to do with the culture that we are living in right now and that we subject ourselves every day and it is so part of the culture that we don't even recognize it anymore and, and it's unfortunate that women have become shrapnel in this fight a hundred percent the things that depress me the most are when you see women in 2018 holding protest signs and then they have pictures of themselves holding the exact same signs in the early 90s or the 80s or whatever and i saw one the other day of a woman who said who did an interview with um I don't know where it was but it was an interview with this woman who was photographed and like you know when Anita Hill was doing her testimony and uh her sign said we will remember in in November um and she she saved the sign and she brought it back and and held it as Dr. Ford testified and sometimes it just feels like we haven't come far enough um agree with that yeah or or we're going back um I hope that's not the case. Me I, too. I keep thinking that it's sort of a death knell, right? I hope. Like everyone keeps talking about like, well, these like, the, the bad people will die out. And it's like, well, it's kind of a passive way of accepting change. But yeah. I mean, there are always going to be bad people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always going to be people who disagree. There's never going to be a time where we're all like on the same page. But there's so many antiquated ideas right now being used um, in, in such a way that makes it feel like there's there's a lot of work that is now being sort of diminished with this administration in power. Sure. I think I want to go back to something that you said about it being a human issue. And I think that's something that I have kind of tried to express to some people in my life who, you know, I've had this conversation with mm-hmm. uh, when they say, like, look, I get it. He's conservative. And these, you know, the one side wants to put a conservative judge on the court. Uh I guess one is just there's plenty of conservative judges out there that yeah. aren't haven't been accused of sexual assault. Right. But beyond that, like when we go back to the idea of this being a job interview, like I used to work in advertising and I always said, literally, unless you're a doctor or a lawyer, like anybody can fit any job. Yes. And so if you were to come in for a job interview with me and you were weird mm-hmm. or you were aggressive mm-hmm. or you, you somehow back. indicated that, right, exactly. You talk back to me, you like, challenge me in a really aggressive way like I wouldn't hire you yeah because I'd be like you seem like a bad you, fit for I would this company. not I don't want to be you. around you yeah. and so I think in that way like I think that's something that I keep wanting to get back to above and beyond the fact that he's like lied under oath and like, yeah. like he does not seem like he has the temperament for someone who needs to be like this very impartial like no. uh what's the saying that everyone says but that's I mean it's bullshit but everyone says it it's um like calls balls and strikes mm. like an umpire does not have like a baseball umpire has a better temperament than this guy right yeah. like you have to be not necessarily like cool as a cucumber like it's okay to be passionate right. but the way that he acted and especially towards the women that were you know asking him questions was super concerning mm-hmm. and it's not fair to say in the big defense of that from you know people in his camp are like well of course he's going to be mad someone's accusing him of rape and it's like okay um, if you have truly nothing to hide, that's not your attitude about the whole thing. Well, so that's really interesting. That's another, that's the next point actually that I did want to get at is like people say, how could he have gotten this far without, um, you know, saying something. So don't you think he'd be mad? Right. Um, 
And and that one is a little bit trickier for me, I'll admit. Like, yes, I'm with you that he should want to have a full investigation to clear his name, but mm-hmm. I also don't know how I would act if I was accused of something that I didn't think I did. And that brings me to this New York Times article, which you and I both read. Yeah. On uh, this uh, journalist has this like blackout theory that maybe it's, yeah not even a theory I think this is just real oh it's it's entirely yeah. possible that this what happened is that he blacked out he yeah. drank so much that he blacked out and he doesn't remember yeah. that he did that and what's so upsetting is that when that part of the testimony was happening like when uh, Amy Klobuchar was like saying like have yeah. you ever blacked out and yeah. he was like no I a grown ass woman was like are you kidding me. I have for sure blacked out blacked and I'm out. like not an alcoholic. Like yep. I'm fine. But like, yeah, there's definitely been events and times and nights where the next day I was like, wait, we went to what bar? Yeah. Like, Ooh, well, how did this get on my pants? Yep. Like that happens. Yep. It does happen. Um, I blacked out. I've blacked out once in my life. I don't drink anymore. Um, after that, I've probably only gotten drunk drunk like a handful of times. I know. Did I say and that? Like it happens them. a lot. It really no, does. No, no. <laughs> it's happened enough. No, I mean, like, we were all in college. We sure. all went to high school. Where did you grow up? Uh, I'm from Wisconsin. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm from Westchester, New York. And I feel like one of the things that I've been hearing the last couple of days, which has really resonated with me, is like um, in these like really like rich white suburban enclaves where parents sort of like have a ton of money and like let their kids do whatever yeah, everyone just drank in basements and did a lot of drugs. And and then you kind of knew that like your life wasn't going to get messed up because of it. It was just like, this is what you did. And the one time I blacked out was I was in college. I was in 19. And um, I went to a a party. I like worked as a summer, council, a summer camp counselor. I went to a party with all of my coworkers, my other counselors. And um, I had been like sort of dating like one of the counselors and he was like hooking up with me and someone else in the camp. Like, it was just, like who would do this? But only 19 year olds. Um, and I heard she was going to come. And I remember the last thing I remember about that night is that I poured probably a full solo cup of vodka and drank the whole thing. Oof. Woke up the next morning and was like, what a terrible party. That party sucked. And it turned out I had an amazing night oh. um, that I was not mentally present for apparently I got on the table and sang happy birthday it wasn't a birthday party uh I danced with the family dog um I went up to the girl who the guy I was hooking up with was hooking up with and I said I think you're so mean but you are very pretty oh like that was like everyone told me that the next day they were like you were really nice to her you told her she was like a bitch but you also said she had very pretty hair I was like great honestly Um, I would have taken that and I felt so awful the next day I mean like despite not even just the hangover just the like true discomfort of not being in control um was enough to really make me take a step back but the culture around drinking when you're young and when you're the age that everyone is saying Brett Kavanaugh was when these things happened is that you don't know how to drink to a comfortable point. You think drinking... He couldn't even say it at the hearing. Yeah. They were like, how many is too many? He's like, whatever the chart says. Right. Like, A, you're 50... I felt like I was watching a 17-year-old on trial. Like, a few things at play there. But, like, when you're a teenager, I mean, you're the whole point of drinking is to drink so much you black out. At least that was what it was when I was 
drink to get drunk. Yeah, it's drink yeah. to get drunk. And what is drunk? You're not like drunk savoring like, like the flavor of the Malibu and no, Tang. You're not just like, oh, I'm like super like warm and I feel like kind of buzzed. You're like, I want to be vomiting by the end of the night. Like, what a weird, like, but right? Like, that's college. Like, it was like, you are not, like drunk had a whole different meaning. Drunk was like, I want you puking. Like, I don't want you to remember anything. And what struck me was how defensive um, he was about doing something that I think a lot of people can look back on their teenage years and say, like, I engaged in that behavior. And I felt that it would be, it would have been so much easier for him to show that he changed, that he's a grown man, that he participated in behavior that he regrets, that he obviously because of his drinking problem, did things when he was blacked out that he has no recollection of and and then totally believes that what he did to Dr. Ford is a thing that he could have done. Because the thing that I keep coming back to is her story is not that remarkable. No. It is not like, it's not like I was in the alley and like someone, it's like you were at a party, you were a teenager, two boys were really, really drunk. You kind of didn't really know what to do. And they like, t- you got taken advantage of. And then you were embarrassed and you didn't know who to tell. That is the story of like millions of, of women. Lives. Yeah. And the only remarkable thing about this assault story is that her abuser went on to be nominated for the Supreme Court. And like. Which is why she says she did speak out. So when people say exactly. it was politically motivated, I mean, she said herself, like, I'm trying to be a good citizen. Yeah, like, this absolutely. is something that I spoke up when I saw that he was on this shortlist. I, you know, obviously it made me really anxious and think that this is a person that, yeah. had again, had the temperament you know, uh, ought to be on it. And Absolutely. so I spoke up, and, even though it was really hard and scary. Right. And, and as a, and as a survivor of, of sexual assault myself, I don't have any reason to do anything about my abuser right now. I, as far as I know, I think he lives in upstate New York and like runs a restaurant. I don't feel the need to bring that to the attention of anybody else because I have like reconciled with it in therapy or like, through, but like, if he were up for a like the Supreme Court huge of government, right? If he yeah. was up for the top chef. Um, but I would, I yeah. Then I think you would think, okay, maybe it's time. This person's going to be in charge of making a lot of decisions that affect a lot of people, and I don't, I don't think I'm comfortable with it. I totally get it. But people are always like, why didn't you speak up earlier? It's like, oh, really? Like this is how we treat people who speak up. Why right. would she have spoken up earlier? Why would anyone? And so to say that his reaction was correct, that he was angry and hers was, I guess, in converse, not correct because she wasn't angry. Like, I think that's that's another thing that, you know, you hear is, again, he was angry, rightfully so, if he didn't do anything wrong. Sure. And we've already said maybe he literally doesn't believe that he did this, yeah. even if he did, which right. is why we should have a full-throated investigation to find out more about it. Right. Um, but beyond that, it feels, even in the aftermath, like her voice has really been diminished in this. Yeah. Um, and we almost kind of forget to talk about her as we're talking about this. Yeah. And I think that's really unfortunate because to your point, there's so many people out there who haven't um, made the really hard decision to come forward. And I think I personally have struggled with this like hashtag believe women or believe survivors because of knowing in the back of my head that those people are going to pop up and say, but what about the falsely accused? Right. And I think that I have to find a way to get over that because, you know, you mentioned earlier she had nothing to gain from this. Well, he had everything to lose right. if what he wants is to be on the Supreme Court, right? right? Which would, 
I could see for him it maybe it justifies lying or it justifies yeah um which I'm not saying it no, does. no no I know I think but that thought process yes right and so how do you reckon with that like how do you um again not saying that it's due process not saying that it was a trial but how do we reckon with the desire as women to want to believe women to want to believe survivors and want the men in our lives to back us up on that knowing that maybe there's always going to be some questions or maybe you know we're never going to get the full story i think it starts with parenting i think something that concerns me is that so many people are like i'm worried about my sons it's like i'm worried you're not telling your sons not to rape women so much of the um education around rape culture is how to prevent yourself from getting raped and not (laughs) men could you please stop raping women um or even just the idea of consent like consent consent is something i didn't even like think of that as a concept when i was in college like i mean i feel like it's only since i've been an adult have people talked about consent as something that is pivotal to yeah. relations in any you know regard and that's something where that that precedes the idea of don't rape someone mm-hmm. it's literally just hey just make sure she says yes right make sure she's coherent enough to say yes and I know that there's education to be had around making women feel empowered to say no you know a lot of time I mean I know that I have said yes when I've meant no and you kind of are just like I did consent to this I mean like that's a whole other chapter of how like messed up all of this is um but I think you know something that I thought about and I talked to a bunch of friends about is if I were Dr. Ford and Brett Kavanaugh was my abuser and I chose to do this and I chose to like literally ruin the rest of my life because she'll always like what do you think of when you think of Anita Hill like Anita Hill was a person you know, with a full life. And now she is like fully attached to this, um, this testimony that never, that never helped her. Um, and Dr. Ford also saw that going in, she knew that that was exactly what could happen to her. And she still went. And I think that Brett Kavanaugh had a really wide open opportunity. Like I said before, to show growth, to apologize, to address the kind of culture that he found himself in as a teenager and as a college student to um, to make strides in talking about the ways in which he would educate his own children now that he's a father of two daughters. Um, oh, to talk about, yeah, like, oh God, stop using the women in your life as pawns for being like woke. It's not, it doesn't work. Cause- Here's the secret. There's women everywhere. Right. There are women everywhere. You women didn't have to make them. Yeah. W- women or marry them. Exactly. You didn't have to make them or marry them or be related to them. Um, and I think that there was a really good opportunity for him to put into place initiatives to have like a national conversation about this, to show up humiliated and um, humble and apologetic and like sincere. And I bet this would have gone totally different for him. Not that I'm saying like you should have had a better publicist and maybe you'd get this job. And I actually think that the way it went shines a light on the real, real problems we have. But no woman, at least, well, I can speak for myself. I would never be out to ruin someone's life over a past accusation. I assume that, you know, when I was 15, the person who assaulted me who was 16 at the time is a different person now that we're in our 30s I'm assuming like 
he is not a bad person. I am assuming he didn't learn a lot of lessons. I'm assuming he like wasn't talked to about, you know, uh, consent or how to treat women or how to drink. Um, and I also believe people can grow. Brett Kavanaugh showed absolutely no evolution of evolution. And that's what's nerve wracking. Like talking about like, uh, like I couldn't, I wouldn't have been drinking on the weekdays because I would have been lifting at Tobin. It's like, okay. The fact that we all know like Squee and Tobin is going to be like, they're going to be haunting my name oh my for God. the rest of my life. Everyone's going to go to Halloween as Squee and Tobin this year. You know, it's oh true. I know we're in for it. How did that just hit me? Right. It's going to be like, oh, oh lifting weights at Tobin. I mean, it's oh, just like you're a 54. Everybody's going to be the Brett Kavanaugh calendar. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> That's a really good idea, actually. Um, it's just it's just a joke. I saw every boy I went to high school with and that I, – I was very – I was so – like every other woman, very gutted watching Dr. Ford speak. Not triggered. Just gutted. Brett Kavanaugh triggered me. I am not a triggered person. I can like deal with a lot. Um, that his, it just like was too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, in a sliding doors reality, I think what you said yeah. is totally possible. Like, yes, I made a shit ton of mistakes. I've learned from them. Me and my wife go to therapy because I'm still dealing with coming right. from a place of privilege and acknowledging that. Right. And like, blah, 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 Issues blah. with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, I do think it's too much to ask from this per- specific person. Absolutely. I think it's possible from other people. And I'm sure there are people who like grew up with a silver spoon in their mouth and now are like do, you know, yeah. doing what they can to kind of um, help others up the ladder, right? Yep. Or at least being like, I know that I started three rungs above everybody else yep. on this ladder. Uh, and so, yeah, I agree. And I think that um, something I've been thinking about a lot too and that I've been hearing again as an argument that I'd love to you know hear what you think about this is this idea of, we don't think he did it, but if he did, it was a long time ago, and you can't hold a kid responsible for the, you know, for actions the, through the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to unpack there. Mm-hmm. And I guess the first thing that I would just sort of want to get out of the way is, it's really disingenuous to say, I don't think it happened, but if it did, mm-hmm. like that's already starting from a really weird premise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's an argument that we're hearing from a lot of people. Yeah. Is like, if you held me to the things that happened when I was 15. And like, that's, that's what worries me is like, they're not just saying like, like they're almost bypassing the like, I don't think he did it and jumping right to, mm-hmm. it could have happened. Sure. And that's because boys do this kind of thing all the time. Sure. Well, I mean, let's talk about white male privilege, which is a real thing. I think a lot of white men are put on the defensive when yes. it gets brought up. And the way that I explain it, if I, if I'm in the position where I have to explain it is white male privilege does not mean that you are a privileged person. It doesn't mean that you are rich. It doesn't mean that you didn't have to work hard. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't have student loans or debt or parents that abused you or abandoned you. What it means is that as a white male, you are given more of an opportunity to make mistakes than a person of color. And so if you think about Brett Kavanaugh in the context of Trayvon Martin, in the context of um, Mike Brown and Ferguson, and you think about the argument that this man, everyone makes mistakes at 17. Should this person really have to pay for it for the rest? They were to ruin their lives for this mistake. No, no white men making this argument for Brett Kavanaugh 
ever seems to make this argument for incarcerated people of color all over the country. Do I believe that a mistake you make at 17 years old should follow your whole entire life? No, not really. Um, I believe you need to grow from it and apologize if someone's demanding an apology from you. Um, but I also don't believe the people who are all of a sudden coming out of the woodwork feeling very, very certain about this stance and were nowhere to be found um, you know, during Ferguson. Right, they weren't marching. Yeah, they weren't at marching. The front of those They're not saying Black Lives Matter. Exactly. And so that's what the the white male privilege is, is like, you know, these people see themselves in Brett Kavanaugh. And so that's scary, you know, to think like, is this one night in high school going to come and ruin my life? Um, and, you know, it, it might, uh, if you don't act accordingly, um, or if you did something so grave that you shouldn't be forgiven, but also we're not saying Brett Kavanaugh is going to go to the go to jail, get on death row, be shot. No, he'll um, have to go back to the second highest he, right. court in the land to his lifetime appointment He's there. just not going to get this job. And I think that it is a good lesson to teach young boys that the things that you do have consequences. have consequences. And the consequences might not come up for 30 or 40 years. Um, but that's the truth. And that's how life goes. And unfortunately, you know, white men seem to be the last to learn this lesson. I just don't, I just don't believe that. I just don't believe the argument. Yeah, that's totally fair. How I, do you feel about it? <laughs> um, it's funny. I'm really glad we're having this conversation on Monday because if it would have been Thursday or Friday, like you and I just would both be like screaming into yeah. the microphones. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, because to your point, I also am not someone who like ever used the word triggered before, but yep. now I use it a lot because I feel the same way. And I think where I get into trouble is not recognizing that not, uh, hashtag not all men, have the ability to put themselves into our shoes mm -hmm. and see how that, how a certain situation might make women feel. And so I think to that degree, there is some education that needs to be done around it. And it, hopefully it's just comes from conversations like these and listening and really hearing the idea that yes, for a man, maybe his biggest concern is not getting into Yale, even though your legacy. Mm -hmm. And for women, it's like having something really terrible happen as we're walking home from the subway at night yeah. or, you know, on a second date. Yeah. And or at home with a boyfriend who drinks too much or a father who drinks too much. Um, and yeah, I, yeah. Right. And I think that's um, something that should, I, I guess I also get angry because I feel like that shouldn't be so hard to empathize mm -hmm. with. Like, wow, oh my God, that must be really terrible. How's, how, how do you go around like that, not feeling nervous all the time? Mm -hmm. um, but I don't feel like I've heard that that much. And I'm not like crossing my arms about it and pouting and say like, how dare you men not get on my side about this? Because I think for so long, men and white men specifically have been like the default. When you think about a person, like if you think about a doctor, like the idea that probably pops into your head is a white guy. Well, that's what you're taught when you're young too. Right. And I mean, that's where it changes. It's like, that's what you're taught. Yes. And so I think when you're accustomed to privilege, yes. equality feels like oppression mm -hmm. and it's not. And so for men to be like, have their first concern be like you said about them. And I'm concerned that I'm going to get falsely accused. To me, that feels like the 10th thing on the list to feel concern about if right that, now. Yeah. Yeah, if that. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it's more, I feel hopeful that 
we're having these conversations at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think that guys understand how personally women are taking that right now. Mm -hmm. And look, you are who you are. Um, And so I would say to men, like, it is very natural and human to look at the situation and say, like, okay, well, if I were in the situation, I guess I would be the Brett Kavanaugh. Um, So here's how I feel about that. And I don't want to be wrongly accused. And I don't want anyone to falsely accuse me. Some people, some women do falsely accuse. It's like, okay, relax. It's not about you. But like, if you could just put yourselves in the position of, of women and there are women in your life that you know and that you love and maybe they haven't told you and maybe they have that are survivors of sexual assault. Right. The number is between one and three and one and five. Right. And what, and the number of men who are survivors of false accusations, is it's small. And so don't make it about you. And you could say, well, this isn't about you either because you're not Dr. Ford and this has nothing to do with you. It is. It's about women, for sure, because women are historically not believed. Women are historically made to, you know, the way that Brett Kavanaugh was acting, if a woman acted like that, the adjectives to describe it would not have been the same. And just look at all of those things, like through the lens of history and through the lens of equality and gender and understand that you are in a position where even if you have done the horrible thing and you are so guilty, you are so much more likely to get off the hook for it than, than anyone else who has done the same thing. And that's horrible. And that is a privilege that people really have to understand. And um, we talk about the patriarchy on mm-hmm. here a little bit. And I think it's like an abstract term mm-hmm. to men, but like you're basically describing it right yeah. now. Like they're the recipients of advantages yeah. that the rest of us don't get. There are female doctors. Yes, there are female like deans of colleges. Like there are women, your woman, your your boss might be a woman. That's not <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. It's like your boss might like the, the gender like pay equality is not that like your boss makes more money than you and she is a woman like that's and I think that there's no I think there's like a deep confusion about that it's like that's not true like I make $60,000 a year and my boss like she makes 80 so like that's bullshit that's like saying global warming isn't real because it's, it's cold because it's cold out <laughs> okay um well, that argument's been made on the floor of the senate yeah so. I don't know but also like <laughs> on it and I and I wonder if this will resonate with your listeners, but I'm also super wary. Like I, I think, and this, I hope this does because I feel like this is actually the, the bigger problem of like the modern man who's not a monster, which I assume most real students are a modern man who are not monsters. Yes. Is like, is there nothing more kind of squirmy than the guy who's like, I'm a feminist, like wearing like a, the, a woman's places in the white house shirt and like, okay, calm down. First of all, anytime I see, a dude who's like overly performing like equal rights i'm like you're like you're probably a murderer or like you <laughs> really just want to have sex like that's all i think about is like that it just feels like a line you know what i mean like i actually like, pitched this as a story and then i never followed up on it but i really wanted to do a story about after the election all these dudes changing their tinder profile pictures to like resistance type pics like oh wow like with signs and, like at the march like that's great I think men should do it. And I actually almost sympathize. We're always telling men, you need to be an ally. You need to stand up for women. And when they do, we're like, oh, it's so embarrassing that you're wearing that like feminist t-shirt. Well, okay. So then, yeah, for our listeners, what is your hot tip? Like, what can they do to meet you in the middle somewhere? Um, 
I think it's like the real basics. I think it's like stop talking about feminism in the eyes of you. Like you, the male feminist, is not that interesting. Like elevate women when you can. Yeah. Um, something that happens all the time in meetings, and women always know that this happens, and men never know that this happens, is that women will often say things, and then and then they will be ignored. And then a man they, says it louder. A man says it louder, and they're like, "That is an amazing idea, John." John is so smart. Did everyone hear John's idea? And Facebook actually, um, women at Facebook started doing this thing like two years ago where they they were noticing that this was happening all the time. And so they basically got together and they like formed this sort of system where it's like, okay, um, like Jane says an idea and then like, like Sam tries to like, basically say the same thing or be like oh the worst is when it's like oh actually jane i was thinking about that last week myself i didn't say anything about it but i actually had that thought five days ago it happens so much and then other women would be like i love jane's idea jane's idea it's like just continuing to right say, to connect it to, to connect jane. it this is jane's idea i love that jane had this idea great idea jane and it actually worked yeah they and i like think an alliance that like these small things, like if you are a man wearing like a feminist t-shirt, but you are still talking over women in your meetings, like we see you, like we, we, we see you um, and we hear you, which we don't want to do anymore. Yeah. Like elevate women when you can give women credit when credit is due hire women of color for panels and at your jobs, not because you're trying to fill a quota, but because there are brilliant hardworking people and they don't just look like you and having diverse voices in the room makes everyone makes work better yeah jobs yeah. better and the output better absolutely it's how we don't get more Kendall Jenner Pepsi ads right yeah absolutely I mean that was horrifying it's how we don't get like every, I feel like every six months Target or H&M is putting out a shirt that's Ooh. like I like I'm a girl so like I hate math and it's like what <laughs> were there any women like present in this design room? I mean, it's simple stuff like that. Are you going to get a gold star after you do it? No. Are you going to get a cookie after you do it? No. Are all the women to come up, kind of come up to you after the meeting and be like, oh my God, it's so amazing when you didn't John, talk over you me. So no, you're not going to get attention for it. Right. Because um, women do the right thing all the time. Right. And we don't expect yeah, the, the cookies anymore. In similarly, when you were talking about that you sent out your newsletter and you didn't wake up to sort of curb yourself. Like we had a work party on Friday and you know, all the men that I work with on my team are like amazing. They're great. And they're, they're wonderful. And, and that, and that you can be a wonderful man and still sometimes do these things without thinking. Yeah. That um, are problematic. And so women have to feel comfortable calling, calling them out. And so Friday we had this work party and like right before, one of my female colleagues who was like in charge of, you know, getting the food and getting everything like set up, sort of made a call out to the room and was like, hey, guys, like, I'm going to need help cleaning up after the party. Can anyone like stick around and help me? And of course, who said, no problem, I'll help. It was all the women yeah. immediately. Every woman was like, and that's a thing that we're all used to doing. It's like got to be helpful, got to be like a team player. And none of the men really said anything. And so... I was in a mood. I was like feeling ragey. And so I went into the work slack like an hour later and I was like, hey guys, 
Um, I have a small suggestion, and it was totally polite. I was like, yeah, I was not gonna say, to this be doesn't mean. sound rage no, at was, all. I was just like, a small is- suggestion in light of the emotional week all of us had this week. I think it would be amazing if all of the men could step up and take over the cleaning up after the party. And it's like, I said it to a Slack room of like 45 people. All, all, most all of the men were like, okay, no problem. I'll do it. It's like public right, shaming nobody's going to be the a-hole that's like, yeah. no, I didn't rape anybody, so I'm not but helping also, clean up. I think, right, exactly. Yeah, they're like, uh, if you, I don't know if you know this, but I'm not Brett Kavanaugh, so like, I'm not going to clean up the sandwiches. But I also believed that it was like, that all of these men, their reaction was not like, oh my God, um, I hope I wanted to say yes because I don't want them to think I'm an asshole. I think they were really like, oh, duh. Yeah. Like, yeah, we want to support you. We know that like, you know, we work in news. They watch. I mean, we have just it's too much. And they and all of the men on our team and some of them were affected by it as well, but like watched all of the women be like drained. And I think when I said that it almost they didn't it didn't even occur to them. Yeah. And these are all the same men. And I'm sure everyone out there has men or are men like this where it's like, let me know if I can do anything. Like, let me know how I can help. And they mean it. And they totally mean it. But p- sometimes it's just like, why don't you offer to do something and don't wait for us to do the labor of like asking you to do it. Yeah. Emotional um, labor is the big one. And I think labor. that we're finally kind of becoming aware of that. Yeah. And you see it more in like one-on-one relationships, but it's interesting that it's sort of expanding to the workforce totally. and the workplace where men are being made aware that, yeah, it shouldn't take them asking. It should... Yeah. It should be them offering. But men, that's the kind of thing. If you see that kind of thing, that's how you become a good ally. That's yeah. how you become an actual, like someone who's actually tuning into the culture. Um, it's not like, yes, please don't rape anybody. That feels like a given. Right. Um, and just because you have not raped anybody uh, does not mean you are getting a celebration. Like that is baseline human decency. There are a lot of not good allies out there, I think, who feel that because they have not committed the gravest sin that they are somehow good. And I think that there is a spectrum and I think that men could work a lot harder. And I think that there are a lot of easy ways to do it. And women notice yeah, and they appreciate. And guess what? Women notice more when you don't do it. So, and you know, I'm not saying we don't appreciate the non-raping. I want to say thank you right now to every guy who has not raped either of us. Yeah. Either of us or any any other woman. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, if that's amazing what you needed. Amazing job. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Oh, yeah. my God. You're the – seriously, thank you. So there's your cookie. Right. There it is. Um, but, yeah, now start yeah. hyping other women at work. Yeah. Start, like, doing more housework at home, like, all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do more cleaning. Yeah. Like, this I, This Thanksgiving, I want, like, no woman to wash the dishes. <sighs> or cook. Or sure, no. you know, there's like I don't know how it is in your family, and it's this isn't the way it is in my family because we have a big Thanksgiving. But I always see there's like this some weird culture around like men sitting on the couch and the women are like cooking and like maybe the women do want to cook or maybe the men do want to cook. I don't know, but just do all the work. Men can do all the work this Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's it. That's what we're gonna do. Now. We've decreed, uh, and so it shall be. And so, <laughs> that's it. It's all right, Constitution now. Thank you guys so much. Oh, um, just a quick hot take: Kanye West is trash. He's bad for the culture. Enough. I don't want to talk about him anymore. West. I'm gonna mute him on Twitter. I'm done. So I, I blocked him a long time ago, and um, and so when I when I see other people retweeting and it's like this tweet is not available, that's when I know Kanye West is in yes. the, is uh, is doing something. Yes. I cannot. And I also think we have to cancel Kim as well. Ooh. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, well, we'll tackle that next week. <laughs> so if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review Undressed on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever it is you may listen. And if you really, really enjoyed this podcast, please support the show to help us keep it ad-free. 
Just head to anchor.fm slash stylegirlfriend and click on the purple support this podcast button. Caroline, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's so Caroline says. And you can buy Hey Ladies on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Oh my God, that's such a good plug. All right. <laughs> thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye.